All right. We are here with the latest episode of Triumph Small Business. It's Mike Wilmer here with my partner, Sherm. Sherm, how you doing? Good, my brother. It's a uh, Monday and hey, we're recording this for tomorrow. So you're, you're, decked only- out. you're decked out in the catering gear. You must be working hard today. Yeah, I have my, uh, my head chef is on uh, vacation. <clears throat> so uh, I come in and lend a hand and we had three weddings this weekend, or like had five events. We had two weddings, or a wedding and a, had a wedding, a funeral lunch, and a happy birthday, and a white party. So I uh, lent a hand there too. You, so you hit it all. You hit it all. Yeah, so, I, I, I the job this weekend. <laughs> That's right, life and entrepreneur, right? Yeah. So you know that that ties into our topic today, which is really leadership and and managing people, employees associates, whatever you, whatever you call them, whatever your culture deems them as, you know, and that, that comes with its, its reward and it comes with its challenges and, you know, leadership's a hard thing. It's not, everybody's not built for that. And, you know, there's always that age old thing, you know, be a leader instead of a boss. And, you know, you, you know what it's like every day to, to lead people, you know, what is your thought <laughs> on leadership and, and how do you approach leadership? You know, um, I, I don't think that there's actual, like one way to lead people. You know, like I've, uh, I was born and raised in a militant family. I'm third generation Navy, my grandfather, my father, and then me. So um, not everybody's raised the same way. Not everybody is educated the same way. So to kind of paintbrush leadership equals, it's really hard, man. Like you have to, you have to, you want to groom good people to be your successor, you know, and, and that, and each person is different in that grooming. You know, you have some people that have been doing X for 15 years. They're, they're not changing anytime soon. You have some people that want to do X and have never done it. And they're eager, or eager to learn. Well, those two people are going to be managed completely different. You know, because you have one person will do everything under the sun. And you have another person that's going to try not, you know, try to tell you how it should be done because that's how they've been doing it for 15 years. Right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Right. So you have to come up. I think that the biggest lesson for an entrepreneur is, is be authentic. Um, you know, there's all kinds of people out there that, that manage people and you, you've learned and you're going to learn to manage from the people that manage you. Um, good. And, and bad, people, right? Yeah. yeah and whether you like it or not, you're going to pick up bad habits from bad managers that taught you this is how you treat people or this is how you talk to people. This is how you negotiate things. But, um, you know, I always try to say be fair, um, you know, because the looking glass, everything's under perspective. So an owner's perspective is I want more and an employee's perspective is I want to do less, you know, right. so you always have to find that, that happy medium of getting what you need to get done and, you know, without killing them and making them quit and, you know, being in cost and all that kind of stuff, cost quality, you know, the whole nine yards. So it's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of legs to the leadership part and it's, and it's not easy. You know what I mean? Like I promise you, um, I started actually coaching for my personal, my personal life because at one point I, I was working on, I just, I was probably two years full time into the catering business and I had had probably 20 or 30 employees already. And I had probably had 150 or 200, maybe 300 in the cleaning business and I was like, you know what? I can't keep blaming everybody else that I get the same employee that does the same shit and I get pissed off. 
I'm like, it can't always be somebody else's fault. Maybe right. I'm doing something wrong. Like maybe I'm communicating the wrong way or maybe I'm attracting the wrong person. So, you know, first you have to make sure that, you know, you're getting the people that you're attracting and they're the actually people you want. And then you have to be able yeah. to learn how to coach and manage them. And because, you know, everybody has a story and everybody's come from a different place. So you got to help them understand, you know, your mission, your culture, how you would like things done and and then grow from there. And that, and that ties into the next question, which is really, you know, at, at to your point, at some point your, your organization gets so big that you can't have <coughs> And you can't effectively manage everybody yourself. So you got to trust others. You got to instill empowerment into others. You know, what's your philosophy on grooming leaders in your organization to have them step up and what, you know, what have you found difficult and what have you found that works? Um, I found that nothing really works the way you want it to work. And the people you think that are actually going to be, the person you hire the person for the job, it may not actually work, but you have that hidden jewel that you'll find that you could groom. Um, it takes, I tell everybody like, so even in the cleaning business, you know, because the turnover in the cleaning business is so huge. Anybody that's in it knows. So basically you hire 15 people and you'll actually keep one throughout, you know, a whole season, you know, so every, every six months you're, you're hiring really a good one jet it's going to stick around. They're going to work hard for you. They're going to do what you're supposed to do, you know, and that's no different in any business. Like, you know, <clears throat> even when you're paying a hundred grand a year, those people aren't all, they're all people, you know what I mean? So it doesn't matter. You're still, yeah. regardless of the pay, the pay, because most people are like, well, you know, you're only paying minimal wage. Well, no, I never pay minimal wage. I never pay minimal wage in my cleaning business and I don't pay minimal wage here. Yeah, you, know, you, get but, what you get what you pay for, but you also well, sometimes you, pay too much. So you'll get the job hoppers. So you right. get the people that know that they're going to, you know, they have a good resume that says, Hey, I can do all this. And they they know that you're going to pay them an extra dollar 50 or two hours. So they're getting more for the same less work that they're trying to do somewhere else. But now they know, okay, I got in. So <clears throat> it's just, you, you, you kind of, I've always found that what works for me best is that you, <clears throat> you hire with the potential of when we grow, how is this person going to positively affect that growth? It doesn't mean that they have to stay in that position, but is it a person that's going to be able to take something else off your plate? You should never hire anybody, just hire people. They should be constantly, especially as a self-employed person, an entrepreneur, you should always be hiring people that do what you suck at. Right. They do what you or don't should like. or shouldn't be doing. And that was the third one. And yeah. do what you shouldn't be doing. You know, so like I, the first thing I took off my plate was human resources because I'm horrible at it. Right. I, I, you know, I've I don't have the patience nor the willpower to listen to the bullshit. So, <laughs> like, and I, and my views on that is quick. You know, so that was like really the first thing I took off my plate is I had somebody else start. You know doing the schedules for the servers and, and then I made the kitchen manager, you know, when I, cause I had promoted two, two people at once. I, you know, that I had a person that was kind of like a semi GM that was doing sales and GM over the, um, the servers. And then I had the kitchen person. So it was the three of us. And I said, you, you take care of scheduling your people and you take care of scheduling these people. And that's it. So I just make sure that I, you know, interview them 
that they're, you know, we're on part of the team that interviews and then I take care of payroll because that's, you know, obviously the most important that everybody gets paid right to tax and pay. But, you know, so that was the thing. I, I hired people to, as I knew that we were growing and I knew that once we grow, we're going to be more people and I'm not going to like everybody that works for us. So, and, or that there's going to be issues that I just can't handle. So right. I made sure I found someone that was good in that area. And now, you know, now um, with Becky, now we have four people or five people that manage people. So it's kind of even spread even thinner for those managers because, you know, they, it's kind of individual departments now and everybody's individually managing other people. So it's less for everyone. And then, but, you know, Becky heads off the big problems and then right. she can't handle it comes to me. So there's layers before it gets to me. It's not, it's not because what happens is when you're an entrepreneur, you're fighting all these other fires and then you got to fight this nonsense too. You know what I mean? So you're already nine issues deep with trying to put out fires and then somebody comes up to you with the most asinine question right, about right. HR and yeah. you just blow up. <laughs> but that, but that's, and, that, and that's that important. The, yeah. That's important because yeah. in any, any organization, whether it's an entrepreneur or, or, or larger, a larger corporate organization, if you don't empower people to make decisions, you're always going to get those dumb things. Right. And that's tough for people to, that's tough for people to swallow, particularly, you know, alpha type a personalities because they, you know, we do become control freaks sometimes. And if you don't allow but, people to make mistakes, they're never yeah, going to grow. You're right. And, and I am, we used to call it white knuckling cause you wouldn't let go right. of a steering wheel, but you know, you have to, you have to see the management of, of a different lens now. You know, as like yeah. you're saying, now we're talking about expansion, growth. It's not just you and people. It's now, it's you and, you know, 20 people, you know, because you're right. going to have to have a general manager and then probably a manager in, in whatever department, you know, like get, I'll just go back to us. You know, we have a kitchen, we have servers, we have delivery drivers, you know, and so, you know, each person kind of manages their own people and then we, you know, we do it together as a team and as a, as a company. But, you know, you have to make sure that at that same point, that you're always, you know, you're always looking for the next key person, you know, that's going to help create, right. you know, a better environment for, for the, for the people. And you have to look at it as, as it is, you're managing, you go from managing 25 people as an entrepreneur to managing three people. Right. So the stress is less because now you're, you're kind of giving them the ability to manage right. and you have to look at it as tiers instead of right. looking at it as, as control of everything, you look at it as the control of the tier that I'm supposed to. And, you know, you hear a lot that you should be as an owner looking at the 20,000 foot view, but it's, there's no, in this instance, there's no better example right. that you should be looking at it's a 20,000 foot view and letting everybody else run, you know, <clears throat> the little picture down the bottom, as you see, is a 20,000 foot yeah. view. Let them do that so that you're focusing on making sure that's moving the right direction at the 20,000 right. foot view. And you haven't lost control. You, you, what you're doing is you, you're better controlling your day and you're actually putting in better controls because right. you're not the one that's handcuffing everything. Anymore. Yeah. And that's you know, the key to your point. I mean, that's the key to your point. You talked about this in a previous podcast is you can't just give over control and expect to go right. You got to put systems in place. You got to trust sure. and verify you know, you got to have connections with your leadership team and say, how are things going, setting an expectation of what gets elevated to you and when, you know, so you have that escalation, you have that escalation point, you know, and that's, I think, you know, 
people do one or the other. And sometimes you got to be in that ugly middle a little bit. And, you, you know, you got to get out from behind a desk too, as a leader sometimes and get down and see what, you know, just don't always trust your leader as you sometimes you got to go and see it for yourself. So it's, it's a really tough balance. Well, you know, again, as an entrepreneur, you know, unless you've inherited a larger business, you know, this is a third generation business. I mean, we can name plenty in the community, right. you know, unless you inherited the structure, you know, you have to create the structure and you have to create the systems and you have to create the, uh, the, um, the processes and you have to make sure it's working the way you want it to work. So you have to step in like, you know, today, like we, we were talking earlier that I had my chef jacket on Well, my head chef is out of the kitchen. So I didn't do any work today. I just watched, I sat down and watched everything that was going on in the kitchen. <clears throat> How can we make this better? How can I talk to this person and say, look, you're doing a great job, but this is how you can do it a little bit better, faster, easier, and cost us less money. You know, like you always have doing that in every aspect because, you know, 15 cents adds up to $50 that adds up to $5,000 at the end of the year. And, you know, it seems like nothing, you know, like I always tell the, the greatest example I give to, to, to people that are in businesses is if everyone shaved five minutes of their time, how many employees you have? I don't know. I have 10. Okay. So if everybody worked, worked over five minutes, that's 50 minutes every day. And at the end of the week, if a five day work week, that's 250 minutes, you know, you're looking at, you know, that's 50 minutes. So that's five hours. That's five hours. So let's just say your average cost of labor is $17. So that's five hours at $17, which, you know, now you have 52 weeks of that. You know what I mean? So you have, uh, yeah, it's, it adds up. So that's $4,420 just for the fifth, the five minutes for 10 people. Right. You know, and so think about it. like, yeah, you know, yeah. nobody looks at the little things and, and when you bring it to people's attention, you'd be surprised how jaw dropping it is right. because well, I did it one time yeah. when, you know, in, in, in my perfect example, in my kitchen, I did it. I said, look, you guys are beating me up for 15 minutes a day of bullshit around. I said, there's seven of you in the kitchen. Let's figure out what that costs. Right, right. And they looked at me as it was like almost $14,000 at the end of the year. And right. I was like, no, I could give you a raise if you were actually working instead of bullshitting around. Right. I was like, so with that 14 grand, instead I can't because you're wasting it. And they all looked at me and I'm like, I'm just being honest with you. Like yeah. that's the honest, you know, if we could get more production out and it, nobody wants to, you know, make people, you know, work hard and sweat and blisters just actually put the work in, right? you know, right. like put the work in you're supposed to be doing, you know, then we would be more productive. And, and if you can trim that, you know, again, that was five minutes. My example was five minutes for $4,420, you know, like could, I mean, and you know, everyone out there right, right. is beating you up for at least 15 minutes a day. So right. that's, if not that's, an hour, you know, if not an hour, hard, that's 12 grand yeah. right there. Yeah. If, if not, I was gonna say, if not an hour, right. But and, you know, so, yeah. and it's, it's tough. I mean, you, you and I have both managed, you know, over a hundred person organizations and, and, you know, you, you know, it's hard to trust other people and you gotta, you know, and, and, you know, guys like personalities with us is you tend to start to become an urban legend like Sherm wouldn't like that or Mike wouldn't want that and they you start to become this a little bit of this like legend thing and you got to like get out from behind the desk a little bit sometimes and go actually be human and say no 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 that's not what I said this is what I meant and this is what I intended and you got to make sure what your expectations at the top are actually flowing down to the lowest levels and make sure yeah. you, you know your presence is there so, so it used to be, what would Sherm say? It was WWS. Right. What would Sherm say? WWSS is the, the phrase everybody would use. So now it's, 
what would Becky say? Right. <laughs> WWBS. Right. Oh, and right. I like it better. And the BS, that's part. Right. It's great. But yeah. yeah. But, you know, what would Becky say? Right, what would Becky say? And, you know, the, the biggest problem most entrepreneurs and people that own businesses have is that what happens is, is that they like to blame the employee for not having the knowledge. But right. at the end of the day, it's your fault. That's because right. if they're asking a thousand questions, guess who didn't do their job explaining right. it correctly? You did. One, one, one of my favorite books, Extreme Ownership. I don't know if you ever read it or not, but it's a uh, it's it's a great no, book. I live it. Talks, <laughs> talks about talks no, about yeah. Yeah, talk, yeah. Hey, Navy guys wrote it, man. That's yeah. Yeah, no, it's just you know, like if you aren't owning it, and right. if you aren't explaining it properly, and 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 the problem is, you know, I had a discussion today with, with one of my staff is that. You know, and I, I went to describe the situation. You could tell that they were upset because they thought that I was saying that they weren't they weren't a good employee. And I said, stop. Like what? I was like, take a deep breath. You're misunderstanding what I'm saying. Right. You know, sometimes you have to, to like take it out of context and flip it back around so they'll hear it. You know, because once you start talking about people, they take offense right off the bat. So they're not listening to react, you know, right off the bat. Like anybody does. Like, let's just go with the public right now in the political affairs nobody's right. listening everybody's talking to each other right. nobody hears shit they're just saying shit and reacting and saying more shit you know so but that's how it is when you start talking like because people do take their job 99 percent of the people take their job personally you know what i mean and they want to do good and they take you know they have a certain passion with it regardless of the level of passion it's you know they, they take what they do they come to work because if they didn't they wouldn't come to work so once you start talking about that, then they get very sensitive because, you know, they're, they feel that they're not doing a good job and nobody wants to hear that. So you kind of sometimes have to rephrase things to explain, you know, and like sometimes you have to come out. I'm not telling you you're not a good employee. I'm not telling you your performance is bad. I'm not telling you that you're not doing the right job. What I'm trying to tell you and what I'm trying to get you to see is how I see it as the owner. I see that if you did this, this, and this, it would be better for the team. It would be better for you. It would be better for all of us. And, and some, that's sometimes that lens, sometimes looking through that lens, you realize that they're just not in the right job. Like if I take them here and put them over here, they might actually improve. And you got to have the courage yeah. to do those kind of things because sometimes it's not about letting the person go. It's just get them in the right position. And Right. You know, so that's part of the six steps in um, EOS as well. Right. So not to get back to sell this guy's book traction again, but again, <laughs> There's the four, there's the four, the four profits. It's, is it the right job? And they like it. Yes. So then that's where they sit. Is it the right job, but they don't like it? No, that's not the right place to be. Is it the wrong job? And they don't like it. That's the ultimate, get them out of it. Right. You know, and then it's, it's the wrong job, but they do, they like to do it. Well, you still have to replace them. There's only one, one of the four profits that work. It's it. They like the job they do. They're good at the job they do. And they want to do the job they do. Other right. than that, you have to twist and you have to figure out, well, and, and it doesn't matter like in any level, you know, like just because they're in a kitchen doesn't make them a great cook. They could be good at yeah. sauces. They could be good at sauces and horrible at saute. Well, you're not right. going to sit them in eight hour shift at saute if they can't saute. Your, your cost is going to be through the roof. You know what I mean? So slide them over to sauces. They probably do sauce. And, and if they do sauces well, they probably do soups well. So that's what they do all day. They do the stuff that they're good at. You know what I mean? And then you have right. people that are great at prep. They chop fast. They're good at it. They like doing it. So you put them right. in chop. You know, and then you have other people that are good at saute or good at, you know, this, that, and the other. And that's where, you know, you put people like, just because you're a great chef doesn't mean I'm going to send you out to do omelet stations. Right. I promise you that. 
<laughs> because <laughs> that is a speaking role. And right. if you aren't good with people, which most chefs are not, you can't go out and represent us because you're going to say right. something great right. that the average person doesn't understand that that's funny in the kitchen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not funny at their law firm. Right, right, <laughs> right. Like right. Kind of so, and, you know, same thing. Like, you, you always yeah. have to find the right seats for everybody. Again, it's yeah. church. You know, and, it, and that's at every man, level. But, that's at every level too. Right. Cause I mean, I've, I've hired, you know, six figure professionals that you bring them in for one role. They're not great at it. They start failing, but you push them over somewhere else. It, it doesn't matter whether they're making $10 an hour or $50 an hour. You, you got to constantly monitor that and make sure you get them in the right space because ultimately, you know, and your business is a great example. That is, you know, one side dish, could affect 300 people in their opinion of your company and you know, everybody from the bottom up has to understand that every aspect of that is a potential reputational risk for your organization and you know that comes with leadership from the top it comes from your management team and then it comes from to your point which most people don't do well which is train their employees on the expectation of quality and you know, let's pivot to that for a minute because I know you're you know you're really great at this and the number of businesses you've grown from the ground up is you know how much time do you spend you know on a given employee on a weekly basis kind of making sure they understand the expectation versus just doing their job um you, you have to spend as much time as needed you know what i mean so if you're going to hire an employee you know and you think that they're a great fit and it seems that they're a great fit you've got to train them until you think that they are they got it. you know what i mean like and it, that may be three days it could be 15 minutes it could be an hour and it could be a week it could take a month you know what i mean like you have to make sure because they represent you whether they as a customer right. or not they're representing you know if you have a product or if you just have a service you know they they represent you so you have to make sure that ultimately they get it and you know the little culture things like you know what would Sherm say what would becky say is is right. good with that because it helps them think you know like if there's a question about an answer, you know, they're going to be, okay, so what would you say? Like, you know, he said this to me before about this. Okay. So they'll probably make a little better decision. It may not be the right decision, but it could be a better wrong decision than a completely wrong decision. If they weren't, if you didn't put that culture in there, like always think, what would you say? Right. You know, because, because most people tell you like, when we get back to this managing employees, is nobody's ever you. And it's not, it, it's not. Right. You know, you have this unrealistic, unfair expectation that people are going to treat everything like you do. And it's not going to, let me tell you, I've been doing this 22 years. It ain't never going to happen. Like how do you, nobody that, cares as much as we can. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> and, but that is important though, because you know, retention and how you treat people and stuff like that, you know, when you, and, and you and I, I think are on the same page about this is you have to allow some level of failure to grow, but you also have to make a clear expectation of it's not acceptable. How do you handle when there is a, let's, let's not say a minor failure, but when there's a major failure, how do you go about that? You know, is it, is it a blow up? Is it a, is it a, how do you, how do you manage that? So over the years, it's, it's been diffused down into a better system. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously in the beginning when I was the person I was before coaching, um, I would blow up, you know, it would be Hiroshima, you know, but then what happens is that's what you're always creating um, is you're creating those, those volcanic moments and nothing will ever be treated smoothly. And then, so then the customer is negatively affected. The employees are negatively affected. Service is negatively affected. Your reviews are negatively affected. So you have to come up with a better way to have a conversation about things that don't work well. I don't like using the words failure because I don't think anyone 
fails. What they do is you've prepared a certain way and you may have not got the result that you're expecting, wanting, or needing to get. That's not necessarily a failure. Failure is to dig your heels in the sand and say, no, 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 this is the way it is and I'm not changing. Or, you know, oh, well, I'm done. I'm not going to do it anymore. So that's failure. What you do is you correct and recorrect. So it goes back to like you're saying in the Navy, like you have to constantly check your course and you have to check it. And you might have to go a little left and I have to come back a little right. Like you have to check and recheck. We have a system that I put um, mainly in the kitchen, but it's for everyone is that you go through and you have, okay, this is what our goal was to do today. How did that work out? Did it work well? If it did great, do it again tomorrow the same way. If it didn't, what didn't work out well? Let's talk about it. Sit down, put it down. How can we change that aspect, you know, so a perfect example is that today somebody forgot to put something with a set of meals and, and the people in the morning, um, they, you know, basically switched to plan B, you know, and it worked out. But then I go back to the person that was responsible and said, so I watched you make this. I watched you cook it and I watched you put it away. Why did it make it with the meal? And they said, I don't know. I messed up and I apologize. And I said, you do know that that's unacceptable, right? And they said, yes. I said, you have to pay attention. So, you know, most times first you want to, you have to get them to acknowledge that what right. happened isn't right. Right. You know, and you don't have to browbeat people, people about it. You just have to have a conversation and, and make sure that you understand accountability. You know, the accountability is we're supposed to get this right all the time, you know, and we didn't. So now how do we fix that? And, you know, and my lesson was you have to pay attention to the ticket. You know, again, you've got to pay attention and we have to make sure that it's getting done. And then I looked at the person next to the person and said, you were standing right there. You watched her do it. You set it all up. Who checked her to make sure that she is doing it properly? Right. And they're like, he's like, uh, I'm sorry, I should have. I said, okay, so again, this right. is why we have this check system in place so that when things go leave the kitchen, that it's right. And then when it leaves the kitchen, it goes into another uh, cooler. And then when the delivery drivers take it out, somebody checks it again. Like, right. so there's a four check system. So the, the end of the day is we didn't fail the customer because we gave them, we gave them a product. Yes. It may not necessarily be the product they specifically ordered, but they got a full product, right. you know, and, and they were okay with it. And, it, and the check system worked. So, in this scenario, it worked because right. there was a check system that failed in the kitchen, but it worked before it left to go to the customer. Somebody figured out, hey, we're missing a side. We got to put a side in there. So they put, it was a sandwich and it was supposed to have, you know, one thing and it wound up getting a bag of potato chips. So we still got a sandwich and chips, but, you know, again, you know, the check system works and that's, you have right. to have fail safes all the way through. If you only right. have one fail, fail safe, in your system, I you're asking you, for trouble. You, yeah. you are going to be putting yeah. out. You should just have a fire truck sitting at your right, right. You're going to need it. Burn it the down. Fires are going to get hot. That's right. You know, what I mean? but you have to always see how. And when you and when you have a, a situation that always arises, you have to deal with it. You can't right. look at it like that's not my fault or my problem. Right. You know, like how do I fix this so that we don't keep doing X? Right. And if I, and, and I'm never amazed by where, you know, I'll, I'll have a lot of people come to me and ask me like, you know, how do I, how do I talk to a customer that's having a complaint and how do I deal with them and make them happy? I'm like, your problem is not that interaction. Your problem is you're upstream that you didn't do well, it right. And, and you got to take, you know, you got to take the time from the beginning to make sure that doesn't happen because if you're all your firefights are down at the, at the unsatisfied customer, you're going to have a bad day every day. 
Right. Well, I mean, you, you're, you, yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a multi-level thing. You're right. You have to fix the upstream so the downstream isn't constantly saying, I'm sorry to a customer. But if you're only saying, I'm sorry to a customer one or two times, the key is to one, just take it. It doesn't right. matter. Like we, we, there was an issue somewhere. I forget what it was. And it had nothing to do with the person that was getting the comment. And I said, all you need to do is just take it. You say, I'm sorry. I apologize. How can I make this right for you? If you own it from the second that somebody says something to you, you're, you're eliminating 90% right. of their issue. Makes a because huge difference. You know, you know that any customer anywhere, you know that you've never had great customer service 100% of the time. You know, and it's not in that you had bad customer service. It's how they fixed it. You know, how they went about the resolution for you and and treating you like a customer that should be treated. That's the, the issue. Then once that happens, okay, was this a one-time thing? Or is this something that is revolving? Like, this is the same shit that keeps happening every Thursday. Like, why is this always happening on a Thursday? I understand why this always goes, oh, well, is it one person that works on Thursday? And is it getting the system? Or is it, you know, two people? Or is it, what is it? Like, you have to go back and from the scratch of where it started to where it gets to the customer, you have to figure out, it could be the person on the phone it is ordering it wrong. You know, like they're, they're not putting all the details in there. And it seems that every time on a Thursday, this person orders on Wednesday for Thursday and the person that takes the order right. on Wednesday is forgetting to tell them about pickles. Yeah. And, and just in case, and just in case somebody's tuning in for the first time from the first podcast, you know, we talk about systems a lot and, and that, that people get confused about that word system sometimes, not necessarily a technology technology system. No, you'll, no. you'll find the technology to manage this. It's more about the processes and the expectations. You may have one process, you might have a hundred, but the reality is to your point is they need to be laid out. They need to be documented. Expectations need to be made and you need to monitor and, you know, and rate those things constantly and then put, put the feedback back into it. If not, you're going to have this really, really unmanageable, ugly middle that you're never really quite sure about. Exactly. And, and at the end of the day is you have to keep evaluating if it's working because it could have worked six months ago. And now the whole climate could have changed. I mean, let's just say, you know, COVID happens. <laughs> like, right, right, so right. like a super pandemic. February aren't what they are today. You know what I mean? Like, because you had to pivot, you had to change. Like, you can't just dig your heels in the sand and go, no, this is how we're operating. Like, no, you have to make sure that it's always working for you, the customer, you know, in any business, the customer's first. It has to work for the customer first. Then you have to back it up. Does it work for you? How much problem or how much issues or how much pain is this process causing you every day? Because who the hell wants to have to deal with that shit every day? That's right. why I got out of the cleaning business because the only phone calls that came in the cleaning business were you forgot yeah. it. Yeah, it wasn't you, wasn't you did a great <laughs> job. I don't like, you know, who don't want to hear that shit every right, day? Right, 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 right. And, yeah. you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons why I got out of that, but that was, you know, right. the, the, the glaring one in the beginning. But nonetheless, like, you have to figure out how do I change this process so that it makes it glide? Because, you know, no one, including you, wants to have to deal with nonsense and angry, screaming people every day. And it goes back right. up the hill because the, the customer screamed at the person that gave them the bad product and service. Then that, that person turns around and screams at their manager because now they're unhappy. Then the right. manager turns around and screams at the general manager and then the general manager screams at the owner. So, you right. know, who wants to hear that shit every day? Nobody. Right. But to so, your point, though, and this is where systems kind of clears a lot of that up, is you can either spend the energy 
going in reverse and understanding what happened and dealing with complaints and the, you know, or you can take that time and put it into the system to make sure it works well. And that's a lot of people do the opposite, unfortunately. And that's, you know, that's unfortunate, but it takes, you know, again, it does say it's, there's no experience like experience sometimes, as you know, <laughs> more than anything, because you, you know, you weren't the same guy you were 20 some years ago. No, um, no. And, but, and, and yeah. it's, there's nothing wrong with, with engineering it either way. It's right. just, you need to engineer. It. You know what I mean? Like, you, you should be engineering a process as it comes out. Then you should have a quality control process that engineers it backwards. Okay, so now we put this, you know, we put this mason jar in and we got it out to the customer. Well, how did that work? You know, is it cost effective the way we're doing it? Is the customer getting it and is it ex what they expect to get? So now you're, you're re reverse engineering it back to, okay, what piece or the system can we fix a little bit better to make it right. just that much better that the customer gets a better product? Maybe it's quicker, maybe it's faster, maybe it's a little bit cheaper, maybe it's whatever it is. You know what I mean? Right. But you, you have to have the system going out first in order to cross-check it back to, to figure out what piece or what part right. or what person, you know, you're going to adjust to make it better. You know, right. because you should always be looking to make everything better, easier, and more cost-effective. Right. Everything. You're going you're gonna to make it better one way or the other. You might as well do it proactively than reactively. <laughs> right. And, right. And there's nothing wrong with critiques. There's nothing wrong with people that don't like it. Find out why they didn't like it. Don't take the, I didn't like it, I'm not ordered again, as the answer. It could have right. been that we gave, you know, again, I'm going to go back to the food. We gave you rice when you asked for no, no starch. It could be that simple. Like, okay, right. there was a simple mistake we made. We can fix that easily. Somebody look at a ticket. So we'll, you know, we smash their fingers within the hammer and then, you know, we work it out. You know, like, <laughs> we won't make that mistake again. You can't, That's you right. can't grab the spoon. You no, know, but right. I'm just playing. I'm just yeah, playing. No. I but, feel uh, like yeah. that. I feel like that could happen though. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so let, let's pivot to our last question is, you know, you, you've managed hundreds of people, but that solopreneur, right, that's thinking about just getting one employee going from one to two or five to 10, you know, making a significant jump in, in, in mindset. What, what do you look for in that when you make that, that position? Is it, is it somebody just like you? Is it somebody that compliments you? What, what do you look for in that guy? What's sort of the advice you can give? So the advice is you always want to hire people for the shit you don't like to do or are not good at. It doesn't matter what. Like you were, so most people are good at this and that's why they opened up a business. They're good at, at, at engineering. They're good at cutting grass. They're good at concrete. They're good at fixing cars. They're good at cooking. They're good at, you know, putting funny jokes on the internet and I'm good at advertising. I'm good at marketing. You know, like you're good at whatever the niche is that you decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do. You're hiring only employees for two reasons. One, there's too much business for you that you can't do it all on your stuff and the customers are complaining that you're not getting the product out fast to them or service or whatever it is. So that's why you're hiring their first employee. That At that point, now you're hiring that first employee for the things that you don't do well because that's how you get faster, quicker, easier because they're going to do the that you're not good at and they're going to in the speed that you do the good stuff. So that's what you want to do. So if the first person is somebody that handles taking the orders and processing the payments, and maybe it's throwing pay Facebook ads up or whatever, and you're not good at those three things, great. That's what the first person does. And you're still now the creative person or the person that's doing the tech part or building part or whatever it is. Then 
you grow exponentially from there and you keep filling the position back and forth until you, you know, then you have a team like, well, wait a minute. I can't keep answering all these questions for 14 people. I'm going to have to find somebody that's going to handle this. And again, that's when you figure it out. Do I, do I have one key person that says, you know, this person's really busting it up. They're really good at that. They're really good. And they're, oh, they're the ones constantly teaching the other people how to do this better. You know what? They're already actually managing these people, but why don't I give them a title, a little bit of raise and see how that works. And again, you stick that in that area and boom, now you have so many managers of people and maybe it's, they manage, you know, the, the admin staff and you're still managing the production staff, you right. know, and now there's two managers, you and somebody else. And you keep teeter tottering that way, you know, but you have to have the foresight and the crystal ball to know you're growing faster than you're hiring people because it takes a while. Some people, you know, decide, nah, I'm not leaving where I'm going. <laughs> Right, right. And you're like, how come nobody showed up on Monday? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's you know, right, that's right. And Monday was the day I needed a person. You know what I mean? That's like, right, that's you right. have to kind of like, you know, if you think that you need a person, you're probably a month behind the, the curve on that. You right. know, like, and it happens all the time. You know, like, you get busy and you're like, yeah, we should probably start hiring some more people. And you're like, yeah, we right. probably should. It's like, de- it's like dehydration, man. Once you, when you're thirsty, yeah. you missed a boat an hour yeah. ago. So I mean, the same thing, yeah. right? Yeah, so you, you're already dehydrated. You can forget that now. Hiring so, the same way. So, all right, right. my friend. So, yeah. That comes to the end of the podcast. So, as you you know, it's uh, lively as, as always. So, thank you for your time. We'll see you next week. All right, man. Live in action on, on, on site. That's right. <laughs>